Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Blake Bingham teaches on peace being your portion. Awesome. Um, man, I just, the past couple of days I've just been getting just wrecked. The Holy Spirit has just been showing me so much cool stuff just about myself. And so I've been really excited about what, what he's got for us this morning. Um, so, and I've, I've said it a few times, and we kind of build on this foundation, but, like, wor- like um, worship's amazing, and worship is so, like, worship is simple, and if we look at, if we look at worship for, in, or encounter, or any kind of, any, any sort of time that we carve out to just look at Him, or just to be with Him, like, it's, it's as simple as His good pleasure flows over me, like, it's just a simple awareness, a recognition of like he's especially fond of me like he loves for you know for God so loved the world like sometimes we just read over that stuff but like there at the heart of everything we do the heart of worship the heart of of encounter the heart of when we come together it's the most healthy and it's the most founded and the very baseline principle of it is he's especially fond of me like the dream of heaven begins like the dream of heaven begins with us knowing how he feels about us like that is the dream that is the heartbeat of heaven. Every every second of every day of every every minute is is for for humanity for every one of us to know how he feels about us. Like that's the dream of heaven. I feel like at the bare bones foundation, and because so, when we know that everything about us changes, everything about you changes, everything that when you, the way you see everything, the way you act, the way you treat people, the way you treat yourself, everything changes when you know how he actually feels about you. It does. Guys, I woke up this morning, my throat was just killing, so double the water this morning. Um, but I wanted to touch, I, I'm kind of going to progress into some other, other areas, but um, f- fear, torment, anxiety, unsettledness, unrest, depression, stress, busyness, all those, all those things, like there's, those are just things that we sort of like, we use language like manage, you know, manage stress or manage all those things. But like, there's a battle over your sure footing of peace. There's a battle over you having your feet firmly planted in rest and peace. That's the, I feel like that is one of the primary, primary targets of the enemy is because there's a war, there's a war over your minutes. Like to jostle, jostle you into a place where you don't acknowledge his good pleasure flowing over you because that kind of ties your hands, you know, like that kind of ties you up and binds you to, you know, if, if you find yourself in, in a situation of fear, torment, anxiety, unsettledness, unrest, depression, stress, busyness, all those things tie your hands to where it's not, you know what I mean? Like you're the, the main thing that heaven is concerned with, its biggest dream isn't yours anymore. And that can tie your hands because sometimes we, we use language, you know, or, or not even language, the way we react to those things. Yeah. F- fear, torment, anxiety, unsettledness, unrest, depression, stress, busyness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is we'll try to manage them. We'll try to compartmentalize, get our hands in them, get them organized right, make our list of priorities right to where stress is way down the list, you know, or fear is a little in another place in our life where we don't really visit a lot or, 
or we try to medicate it to where we can just mask it. Let me, let me do all these activities. Let me do all this stuff to where I don't think about that as much. Or let me take this thing to where it just it's a little more dull and manageable, tolerable, you know. Or, or I'm just going to work my way to where I don't even realize it. I'm just going to work myself. I'm just going to work because when I work, I don't think about stuff. When, I, when I'm toiling, I don't, you know, it's, it's the farthest from my mind. I can just do this menial task, and that's where I'm at, just blank. And that becomes a, tra- a, a trap of perpetual just math, you know, just, ah, I'm doing life, you know, busy. How are you doing, man? I'm busy, dude. I'm, you know, I don't have a lot of time, you know, that's, that's my answer all, a lot, you know, like I'm just busy, just kind of, man, just cruising on through. But my hands are often tied from knowing that his good pleasure just flows over me all the time. Because we use language like manage stress and manage we use we like we've got to organize it but you were never intended to organize hellish things that were created to recti- to to rectify distance with you and the father with reason you were never you were never intended to organize hellish things you were never created to rectify or try to figure out distance with the father within your reason never intended they're hellish things, you know? Those aren't from the Father. Because, see, He doesn't intend to manage them. He intends to string them up as a public spectacle. So we get to manage peace and heaven inside of us. We get to enjoy the space and room inside of us that peace occupies. That His goodness flowing over us occupies. You know? So sometimes we get it completely backwards. So we're not to manage fear and anxiety and stress and being busy and all, this, all these loads. We're to manage peace. Oh, and there's so many cool things because we'll get to later. It says that peace will guard you and peace will guide you. That's cool. So I want to I look at fear and torment just a little more because it is, like, it is like home for some of us. Like we see it often. It's presented to us often. So I want us to understand it a little better. So fear and torment are lies with nothing to stand on. So fear and torment, they originate, they're founded upon lies, and there's nothing that those lies stand upon that is sound or founded. So have you ever, and this is kind of a little bit different, but like have you ever looked at somebody, me and, me and one of the guys were talking on Friday just about some situations in their life and people that were close to them, and, and like the individual like that he was looking at, it was like a, how did that person he was looking at an individual in his life, and he, he was like processing through some stuff with the Holy Spirit, and he was like, Holy Spirit, how did, how did my dad get there? How did my dad get from singing at church to it being in a position of full-blown addiction and partaking of all that stuff with the guy that I was talking to? And he was just like trying to rectify, like, how does that happen here? Or a lot of times we see, like, how, how can someone have all this purpose and plan and then end up way, way over here? Like, how can, how, or how can somebody that's just a fireball, just preaching fire or, or singing fire, like doing crazy stuff in the kingdom, end up so far in the opposite direction in a short amount of time? Like, how, we, we try to, re- we look at those things and we, we try to, like how, like, how does that happen? How does someone in a whole situation end up in ruins, in addiction or somewhere broken, never imagined? Saying, or I mean, like even in air lives, like how I've found myself so many times, like how the heck did I get here? Like how did how did 
I end up in this position? How did I, how did I get here? And I, I was we as we were as we were talking the other day just about that progression of how something can go from this to to something, how something can go from functional to completely dysfunctional. And in my mind, I I just saw like, have you ever seen those like nuclear fallout maps? Like they're kind of scary, like from the 50s or whatever, when the 60s, the Cold War and all that. Like the nuclear fallout maps, like you got this picture of the United States and then you say a bomb goes off in Oklahoma or a bomb goes off in Arkansas. You know what I mean? Like you see this, this the, there's these projected places where if a nuclear explosion happened, the area that would be affected. And it shows you how the weather patterns would plume that radiation and that fallout, which kills people or makes people sick and kind of the degrees of severity of how it plumes from the, the epicenter. And I just, I just kind of saw that, and I was, I was speaking to the guy, and I was like, man, I think it all, like, it's, it's all f- from a lie that's been embedded in the soil of that, that person's life. And because, see, it's all the fallout of a lie. It's all the originating point. If you trace that fallout of a life where at the, the, at the widest point of that plume where it affects the most people and it causes the most destruction and the most pain and death, like if you trace that back to the, to the origin, it's from a lie in the soil that was in the soil of a belief of separation between a man and God. And so in that, see, a lie in that kind of soil turns to torment. And torment will snatch you up and wrap you in a package and it will deliver you right to the fantasy of your fear. So like, a lie will wrap you up and, and bundle you, and then it will take you to the very thing that you hate. It will take you to the very thing that you never imagined. So, I know, and I talk about lies a lot because I think it's a primary, like a huge battle. Like the enemy is the deceiver of the brethren. Like he's, he, he's the father of lies. So the fruit of torment is the opposite of hope. And see, torment roots from separation with the father. And, lie, you know, lies torment. When we believe a lie, it torments. And so, so torment roots from separation with the Father. And so any lie ever told or believed is received in the soil of separation from God, from there being distance from God. Any lie ever believed or received is received in that soil of distance from God, separation from God. Because see, the devil is the father of lies, but see, the devil wasn't like inherently evil. Like he was created by God. And there was this point where he made some very poor choices to rebel in heaven, and he was cast down, it said, to the void. So he was cast down to earth, and the earth was formless and void because we know when Adam and Eve spoke to it, it was formless and void. And if you look up the, the words formless and void, it's chaos and confusion. So for however long he was cast down to when God spoke life into the planet, started breathing life and, and light. So he, he's in, the, the enemy was cast, the devil was cast down to a place that was, to an environment that was chaotic and confusing. An absence of light, absence of God. There was separation from him and God, and it, cre- it cultivated and stewed and magnified and plumed in his own, you know what I mean? Like in his own I- issues to where uh, we can see like everything is from this idea of separation from God because he schemes and the enemy has plans over our lives to jostle us into that same, into that same outfit of his torment, of torment, you know? So the, the dream of the enemy over your life is perpetual. 
and to have you believe the illusion of separation. So that's the, the dream of the enemy of our, of our soul is for you to believe that there's separation, just like the dream of heaven is for intimate connection every second of every minute. So that's a really good perspective to have. Because the dream of the enemy is to convince you that God is unapproachable and to plant a seed that would grow into a ruined life in the soil of separation and create a nuclear fallout of what, we, of what God dreamed of your life, you know? So, so I don't you know it'd be like a downer or anything, but I think that's a perspective that's important, you know, because that's what we, you know, we, we wouldn't want to be naive to what's, hap- what's really going on. So in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, God says, For I have not given you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and of a sound mind. So, He's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, in the Passion, um, let's see. It says, for although we live in the natural realm, we do not wage a military campaign, employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and, breaks, and, and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought that insists that it bow in obe- and insists that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. That's, that's killer language. That's crazy. I love that. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God, that creates anxiety, that creates fear, that creates stress, that creates worry, that creates anything that would attempt to tie your hands to where you don't see that, that there's a we have a great Father just wrapping us up in His love every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of week, month, year of our lives. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought that insists, and, and we insist that it bow in obedience to the Anointed One. We don't manage it. We don't medicate it. We don't, we don't whatever. We, we insist that it bow in obedience. To the anointed one. So I want to like just paint a little picture of that. I think he, I think he's so passionate and furious and like loves. I think I, I think if you took Jesus's heart and you're like God, what do you, Jesus, what do you enjoy the most? What like what do you enjoy the most? I think I think top ten list like top five would be these opportunities and moments where he gets to partner with you and just devastate lies. And devastate things yeah. that you've held true that torment you. I think that would be, I mean, top ten, like a furious laughter I see him having over these moments where he's just a wild, wild man running through your heart with you, like showing you stuff. So I, I read, I was on a plane a, a week or so ago, and maybe two weeks ago, I have no idea. But I was on a plane, and I was reading and listening, and God was just showing me cool stuff. I had no idea what it was tied to, but 
I think it's this. Um, so, hope floods over in tangible waves as salvation presents itself with no duality. So, hope waves over as salvation presents itself with no duality. The consistent measure of north resounds. The plumb line, the beacon, the hope, what you see, resounds. Safety and sturdiness entrench us as peace wrap us and wrap the seconds that we're alive. Steadfast in the face of uncertainty and confusion, salvation gaps to the center of conflict. To the heart of our matter, with a sword and a blanket, our knight presents himself. To lay, with the purpose to lay down eternally every sterile foothold in your life. Every foothold that, that has no intention of bearing fruit, that intends to choke and make everything about you sterile, to where there's not fruit, there's not enjoyment, to where there's not laughter and joy. He comes with, he comes laying down eternally every sterile foothold in your life, laying it down at his feet, laughing as he roars, laughing as he lays roaring lies at the altar of peace. He wraps you up in purpose. So I just see him like a furious lion, just confidently get like a knight, you know, just cra- however you want to imagine or picture it, like furiously just laughing, laughing as he lays, as he, as he picks these roaring lies up in your heart and in your life and lays them at the altar of peace and invites you just to have peace and then wraps you up in his purpose and in his love and in his peace. He just wraps you up in a blanket. Hope lays at the feet of our lives, presenting the possible. Offering ever long the dream of heaven. We were created to nurse and depend on heaven's nourishment. Just to, just to enjoy, just to receive, just to know his good pleasure flows over me continually. It's kind of like a patchwork. So I was sitting here Wednesday, and I loved what Tiffany did with the, 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 the vases. I almost said shields, but the vases. Um, it was awesome. And I was sitting there, and I was just, God was just speaking to me about sound-mindedness. And he said, he said sound-mindedness. Like you build a house on a sound foundation. I'm getting ahead of myself. i got some scriptures and stuff, but it's fine. Um, Sound mindness, you build a house on a sound foundation. You build a life on a sound mind. So a sound mind is a walled fortress, unapproachable, unintimidated, unapproachable, undefeated, impossible to overthrow. So torment has no place. Torment, lies have no place. Like they have no, torment has, because, so torment has no place. In your sound mind, because torment has no fellowship with peace. It's the opposite. Torment has zero fellowship with peace. So we're the sound-minded ones who abide in peace, who lay our heads in peace. Torment attempts to encamp around the outskirts of our sound home and present lies. God was speaking this to me, but I can speak it to you, you know. He makes it available. So torment attempts to encamp around the outskirts of our sound home 
and present lies, present you with possibility. So let me help your perspective. This is what he's speaking to me. You're unapproachable. You're un, uh, you can't be overthrown. You know what I mean? Like, peace abides in you. You abide in peace. Torment can't resound. Torment can't pitch anything at you, and you'd be expected to have to react to it or hit it back. So, and that's just the beautiful thing. Like, when we worship, we just lay stakes and anchors. We're just anchoring ourselves. We're just letting there. We're just letting their air roots sink in to unravel me more, God. Unravel all that you've put in me from creation as it just sinks down and connects to the soil of a good father and a community. So I'm going to go to 1 Timothy 1 and 7. Yeah. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power and love and self Control. <laughs> Go. Normally I write them down. It's all good. Um, I'm going to go to the real, the real, what I really had here. Let's go to, let's go to Colossians 1 and 12. Because I just want to read, like, I want to read and just kind of like, I was reading this the other day. I just want to, I want you to soak in the fact that he makes closeness available. Like he, he says, he says you're close. And what he says about your darkness, and what he says about this being an opportunity and not a, something to dread. Colossians one and twelve. Maybe it's one thirteen. That's fine. I just I got it all highlighted here, so I know what I'm going to read. It's hard to see the numbers; they're small. Um, he he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom realm of His beloved Son. I love the word "translated." Like he has. This is in the passion, so it kind of does some of the preaching for you. But I just I'll roll with it. So he has translated. So it says he has translated you from your former life, from being dead, from darkness, to his kingdom, kingdom. to his love and his life. And I, like just looking at the word translate, it's like to take something from one place to another or to like get in and decipher the meaning of and then to change it over to something else, like a language. Like, I don't know, I didn't dive into it that far, but I just know there's something cool there. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and by the blood of his, by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, and restored to innocence again. Man, that's so cool. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and everything on earth is brought back to himself, is brought back close, brought back from somewhere, from something, from some condition brought back to himself and restored and made close and made innocent again to where you can just be sitting holding your dad's hand, walking through life and looking up at him like, are you really sure this is okay? Like, this seems crazy and dangerous. He's like, yeah, this is great. This is cool. We do this every day. This is fine. This is fine. I remember being like, my dad was reckless sometimes and we'd do some crazy stuff when I was like three or four. And I remember like, is this okay? And he's like, yeah, we're doing it. I was like, cool, let's do it. You know, and it's just like that. Like, He's, that's what innocence looks like. You can have those moments unattached to anything 
negative or anything broken where you just look at him and you're like, what are we going to do? And he's like, let's do this. It's like, all right, let's roll. Let's do it. And then you have confidence swell inside you. So even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf that you would dwell in his presence. That's crazy. I, I could read it over and over and over again, but my wife tells me not to read things so many times. But I have to. He released his supernatural <laughs> peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body. He released his peace to you through the sacrifice. He made his peace available to you instead of your torment and your lies and your fear and your stress and your anxiety and all your sin and all your junk and all your mess. He said, instead of that, I give you peace. I make my peace available. Through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf. So that, that, so that you would dwell. So that you would dwell in his presence. Live in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and the Father God. For he sees you as holy and flawless. He says there's nothing between you and Father God. Like no, nothing. Like skin to skin. You and Father God are together. There is nothing. There's no thought. There's no action. There's no torment. There's no lie that can stand between you and the Father. For he sees you as holy and flawless, restored. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. When I, I was asking God, I was like, God, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? And all I saw was like, because I'd seen the picture earlier this week of like the fallout. And the, the pain and the, and, the, and the disease and the sick. You know what I mean? Like all this, the fallout of a lie, the fallout of torment. And then I saw, I saw him like come in like a hurricane. Like literally like this crazy, fierce, furious, loving storm that just like un, uncontrollable. Like I couldn't touch it. I couldn't look at it. I couldn't watch it. I was like, Dad, God, you want me to be like a storm? He's like, you have nothing to do with this. You just get to partner with me. And I just saw him like swirl man, and just devastate and demolish all the stuff that we hold in the soil where we believe there's separation. And it was so cool. It was so cool. Living with, with you, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. The mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest filled with hope, with riches of glory for his people and God who wants everyone to know it. So says there's a treasure chest living within you. That's wild. Christ is our message. We preach to waken hearts and to bring every person into the full understanding of truth. He has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Jesus Christ. And then two and two, it says, I am contending for you that your hearts will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together in love's fabric. This will give you access to all the riches of God 
as you experience the revelation of God's great mystery, which is Christ. I'm contending, Paul says, I'm contending that you that that your hearts would be wrapped in, in, in the comfort of heaven and woven together into love's fabric. That's wild. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form, and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is head of every kingdom and authority in the universe, and through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of the heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. For we have been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised to him when, when we believed in God's resurrection power and believed that power that... Get a little, a little crazy there. Also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. The realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of our sins. That's wild. He canceled every legal violation. I know this is a lot of reading, but I'm just kind of telling you the story of Jesus and what's available to us. So he canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. And the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all. They cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto the cross and nailed permanently there is a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. Unapproachable. You're completely unapproachable. Anything that would approach you has zero legal access. Zero. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession, in a procession of triumph, like a funeral procession. He was not their prisoner, but they were his. He was not their prisoner, but they were his. Torment is not your prison, but it's your prisoner. I'm going to read another thing real quick about love. So I was, re- I was on a plane again. How much? When do we normally stop? At 1230? Or 12? It's okay? Perfect. Perfect. I got the reins this morning. I'll be respectful. One, this is 1 Corinthians 13 and 6. I was reading this on the plane last week or something, and I don't remember what it was. And I read the first line, and then God just started blowing it open to me. I feel like he just wants to romance you this morning. I think he wants to give you an opportunity to have some things, like, just just swept away. So there might not be, like, I'm not maybe in order, but I think there's a lot of order to it. So love is a safe place of shelter. It never stops believing the best for others. 
Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. So then I was just kind of like just processing with God and like, love incubates freedom and hope. Love demands fear to be quiet. When love walks into your room, every raging accusation, every raging lie fueled by fear must lay prostate and exposed. The tormenting repetition of chaos lays paralyzed. Confusion becomes a far memory as the landscape around is made wide and simple. Confusion becomes a far memory as the landscape becomes wide and simple instead of close and constricting and suffocating. But it becomes wide and simple. Under his love there is safety. He wraps us in his strength. Everything in us begins to unravel. In his safety we are free to hope, and his hope will never let us down. As we live under his love, every relationship we have is architected to look. Yeah, I intentionally had the word architected. I don't know if it's real, but I liked it this morning. <laughs> is architected to look like air love with him. Every relationship that we have is architected to look like air love with him. He says, I am safe. I am a shelter. My love incubates love for others. My love dissolves. And then he, then he was like, your love does that too. So I am safe. I am a shelter. My love incubates love of others. My love dissolves fear off the backs of those I engage with. My presence demands peace everywhere I tread. Your presence demands peace everywhere you tread. As I learn to live loved, reclining back in your safety, into your decimation of my fear and anxiety, as I learn to trust that in his arms there's decimation of everything that comes against me, there's an opposition of everything that would come against me as I just recline in his arms. As I learn to snuggle into your freedom progressively, you look into, the, into my eyes and you whisper. As I learn to ever, ever more get a little closer and ever more be a little more comfortable being a little closer. First, it's kind of uncomfortable being close to somebody, especially God sometimes. You hear all this crazy stuff about how he feels about you, so you don't even know if you can trust that what you see is what you're getting. So as I progress, as I learn to snuggle into your freedom progressively, you look me in the eyes and he whispers. So he looks you in the eyes and he whispers to you, I love your love. He looks at you and he just says, hey, I love your love. I love your love. He says, your love is so safe. Your love is so hopeful. Your love never gives up. Your love never stops believing the best about people. Your love brings a militant opportunity for others to live lighter with the vision for tomorrow. The opposite of disappointment is hope fulfilled. And he says to you this morning, he says, I am following through with the hope that you have had. You have never hoped for a second in vain, and your hope creates whole worlds. Your faith creates whole worlds. So in the presence of his storm that rolls in, uncontrollable, uncontained, and starts to dislodge, dismantle, and uproot, and furiously tear down stuff in your life. In the midst of all that, he says, let your heart be always guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as a part of his one body, and always be thankful. So he called you to peace as a part of his oneness. 
as a part of your closeness with him, you get to, you get to hold on to peace. You get to be guided. You get to be led by peace. You get to have peace go before you. You get to follow peace as a part. That's, that's a promise. Like as, as a part of your oneness with him, you get to follow peace. Peace is your portion because we are a part of his body and we are intimately and inseparably close. Philippians 4 and 7, And the peace of God, which, pers- which per- surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Jesus. So peace will guard as well. That peace, like, peace is powerful when we give it a place to live, when we start to manage peace, when we start to get our hands in peace, and we start to maneuver peace around us instead of hellish things. Peace is powerful to guard. Peace is powerful to lead. Peace doesn't expect you to know something that you... You just don't know, and there's no, there's no anxiety. There's nothing like that because peace guards you and peace leads you. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.